Today is July 7th. This is Verses in Flow. I'm Jennifer, and I am blessed with boundaries, breathing room, and boldness on this beautiful Friday. How y'all feeling? Y'all all right? I certainly hope so, but if you're not, that is okay. I promise by the end of this episode, you're going to feel better because that's just how this works. So today's word is boldness. Remember yesterday when I was talking about how sometimes at the movies, there can be an additional scene after the movie has gone off following the credits and that scene kind of sets you up for what's coming next. Well, today we're going to get that bonus scene. Well, it might not exactly be the equivalent of a post-credit scene because we still have many, many credits to get through. That is genealogies. However, I guess it would be more like finding an Easter egg in a movie, which is a hidden reference or a special message if you didn't know. And for us, that Easter egg, that cinematic delight, that delightful departure from this long list of lineages is the story of Jabez, whose name literally means pain or sorrow. Now, Jabez was born into hard times. His mother had issues, clearly, because she named him after one of them. And Jabez could have just accepted that life would always be painful and he could have just coasted or just existed, but he doesn't. Jabez prays this bold prayer that changed his whole life and probably the lives of everybody around him. And his story is one of the most inspiring and intriguing in the Bible. And I say that because I am curious. I say intriguing because I'm curious. Like, what was it about Jabez's prayer that made it so special? What was it about Jabez that made him so special that he could ask God for such a bold request? And God was just like, boom, here you go. Jabez asked God to bless him and expand his territory, and God granted it. And what I want to know is, what do I have to do to get that Jabez kind of favor? Seriously, I want to know what Jabez had that made him stand out in God's eyes. Was it his boldness? Was it his unwavering faith? Or was it simply that he was willing to ask for what he wanted, no matter how audacious it seemed? Or was it the posture of his heart? Was it the way that he was living? Was it that God had already picked him out for it and Jabez just tapped into what God wanted for him anyway? Or was it something else altogether? I want to figure that out today. So back to the overview. As we read about Jabez today, I want you to think about this. How are you praying? What is your prayer life like? How would you characterize it or describe it? Are you praying small prayers or big prayers? Are you praying consistently or sporadically? Are you praying safe prayers or scarier ones? Are you praying according to your present circumstances or are you praying according to God's promises? Remember, prayer is not just ritual, although it very much should be that. Ritual meaning something that we do routinely that has intention behind it. But it's not just ritual. It is relational. It's how we deepen our intimacy and our relationship with God. It's a way of communicating with God and aligning ourselves with His will. 
so when we pray, we're inviting God to intervene in our lives and to do more than we can ask or imagine. So today, I challenge you, I'm challenging us to pray like Jabez. Let's embody Jabez's boldness. Let's pray with faith, with passion, and with expectation. Let's pray for God's blessings, God's presence, his protection, and his expansion. Clearly, there is nothing wrong with asking God to expand our territory, whatever that looks like in our lives, for him to expand our influence. When we're praying with the right motives, when it's not about us, when it is about him, when it's about glorifying his name and honoring his will and bringing all the attention back to him, God has no issue with us asking for what it is that we want. And we do benefit in the process. It's not just for God's glory, or I should say when it is for God's glory, it is always for our good. So let's pray that today. Y'all ready to get into this word? I am. Let's go ahead and do this. First Chronicles chapter four, verse five through chapter five, verse 17, New Living Translation. Asher, the father of Tekoa, had two wives named Hela and Nara. Nara gave birth to Ahuzam, Hefer, Temeni, and Hahashtari. Hela gave birth to Zareth, Izhar, Ethnan, and Kaz, who became the ancestor of Anub, Zobiba, and all the families of Aharhel, son of Haram. There was a man named Jabez who was more honorable than any of his brothers. His mother named him Jabez because his birth had been so painful. He was the one who prayed to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and expand my territory. Please be with me in all that I do and keep me from all trouble and pain. And God granted him his request. Caleb, the brother of Shuha, was the father of Mehir. Mehir was the father of Eshtan. Eshtan was the father of Beth Rapha, Pasia, and Tehenna. Tehenna was the father of Ernahash. These were the descendants of Rika. The sons of Kenaz were Othniel and Sariah. Othniel's sons were Hathath and Maonathai. Maonathai was the father of Ophrah. Sariah was the father of Joab, the founder of the Valley of Craftsmen, so called because they were craftsmen. The sons of Caleb, son of Jephunneh, were Iru, Elah, and Naam. The son of Elah was Kenaz. The sons of Jehalalel were Ziph, Ziphah, Tyria, and Asarel. The sons of Ezra were Jether, Mered, Epher, and Jalen. One of Mered's wives became the mother of Miriam, Shammai, and Ishbah, the father of Eshtimoah. He married a woman from Judah who became the mother of Jared, the father of Gedor, Heber, the father of Soko, and Jekuthiel, the father of Zenoah. Merit also married Bithia, a daughter of Pharaoh, and she bore him children. Hodia's wife was the sister of Naham. One of her sons was the father of Keilah, the Garmite, and another was the father of Eshtimoah, the Meakathite. The sons of Shimon were Amnon, Rena, Ben-Hanan, and Tylon. The descendants of Ishi were Zoheth and Ben-Zoheth. Descendants of Judah's son, Shelah. Shelah was one of Judah's sons. The descendants of Shelah were Ur, the father of Lekah, Laada, the father of Marisha, the families of linen workers at Beth Ashbia, Jochim, the men of Koziba, and Joash and Sarab, who ruled over Moab and Jeshubi Lehem. These names all come from ancient records. They were the pottery makers who lived in Natayim and Gadara. 
They lived there and worked for the king. Descendants of Simeon. The sons of Simeon were Jemuel, Jamin, Jarib, Zohar, and Shaul. The descendants of Shaul were Shalom, Mibsam, and Mishma. The descendants of Mishma were Hamuel, Zakur, and Shimei. Shimei had 16 sons and 6 daughters, but none of his brothers had large families. So Simeon's tribe never grew as large as the tribe of Judah. They lived in Beersheba, Moladah, Hazar Shual, Bilhah, Ezem, Tolad, Bethuel, Hormah, Ziklag, Beth Markaboth, Hazar Susem, Beth Beri, and Sha'arayim. These towns were under their control until the time of King David. Their descendants also lived in Etam, Ain, Ramon, Tokend, and Ashan, five towns and their surrounding villages as far away as Baalath. This was their territory, and these names are listed in their genealogical records. Other descendants of Simeon included Meshobab, Jamlek, Josha, son of Amaziah, Joel, Jehu, son of Joshabiah, son of Sariah, son of Asiel, Eleonii, Jacoba, Jeshohiah, Asiah, Adiel, Jesimiel, Benaiah, and Ziza, son of Shiphi, son of Elon, son of Jediah, son of Shimri, son of Shemaiah. These were the names of some of the leaders of Simeon's wealthy clans. Their families grew, and they traveled to the region of Gerar, in the east part of the valley, seeking pasture land for their flocks. They found lush pastures there, and the land was spacious, quiet, and peaceful. Some of Ham's descendants have been living in that region. But during the reign of King Hezekiah of Judah, these leaders of Simeon invaded the region and completely destroyed the homes of the descendants of Ham and of the Unites. No trace of them remains today. They killed everyone who lived there and took the land for themselves because they wanted its good pasture land for their flocks. 500 of these invaders from the tribe of Simeon went to Mount Seir, led by Pelatiah, Neriah, Raphiah, and Uziel, all sons of Ishi. They destroyed the few Amalekites who had survived, and they have lived there ever since. Descendants of Reuben the oldest son of Israel was Reuben, but since he dishonored his father by sleeping with one of his father's concubines, his birthright was given to the sons of his brother Joseph. For this reason, Reuben is not listed in the genealogical records as the firstborn son. The descendants of Judah became the most powerful tribe and provided a ruler for the nation, but the birthright belonged to Joseph. The sons of Reuben, the oldest son of Israel, were Hanak, Palu, Hezron, and Carmi. The descendants of Joel were Shemaiah, Gog, Shimei, Micah, Reah, Baal, and Bera. Bera was the leader of the Reubenites when they were taken into captivity by King Tiglath-Pileser of Assyria. Bera's relatives are listed in their genealogical records by their clans. Jael, the leader, Zechariah, and Bela, son of Azaz, son of Shema, son of Joel. The Reubenites lived in the area that stretches from Aroer to Nebo and Belmion. And since they had so many livestock in the land of Gilead, they spread east toward the edge of the desert that stretches to the Euphrates River. During the reign of Saul, the Reubenites defeated the Hagrites in battle. Then they moved into the Hagrite settlements all along the eastern edge of Gilead. Descendants of Gad Next to the Reubenites, the descendants of Gad lived in the land of Bashan as far east as Salika. 
Joel was the leader in the land of Bashan, and Shapham was second in command, followed by Janai and Shaphat. Their relatives, the leaders of seven other clans, were Michael, Meshulam, Sheba, Jerai, Jakan, Zia, and Eber. These were all descendants of Abihel, son of Huri, son of Jeroah, son of Gilead, son of Michael, son of Jeshishai, son of Jado, son of Bugs. Ahai, son of Abdiel, son of Guni, was the leader of their clans. The Gadites lived in the land of Gilead, in Bashan, and its villages, and throughout all the pasture lands of Sharon. All of these were listed in the genealogical records during the days of King Jotham of Judah and King Jeroboam of Israel. Acts 25. Paul appears before Festus. Three days after Festus arrived in Caesarea to take over his new responsibilities, he left for Jerusalem where the leading priests and other Jewish leaders met with him and made their accusations against Paul. They asked Festus as a favor to transfer Paul to Jerusalem, planning to ambush and kill him on the way. But Festus replied that Paul was at Caesarea and he himself would be returning there soon. So he said, those of you in authority can return with me. If Paul has done anything wrong, you can make your accusations. About eight or ten days later, Festus returned to Caesarea, and on the following day he took his seat in court and ordered that Paul be brought in. When Paul arrived, the Jewish leaders from Jerusalem gathered around and made many serious accusations they couldn't prove. Paul denied the charges. I am not guilty of any crime against the Jewish laws or the temple or the Roman government, he said. Then Festus, wanting to please the Jews, asked him, Are you willing to go to Jerusalem and stand trial before me there? But Paul replied, No, this is the official Roman court, so I ought to be tried right here. You know very well I am not guilty of harming the Jews. If I have done something worthy of death, I don't refuse to die. But if I am innocent, no one has a right to turn me over to these men to kill me. I appeal to Caesar. Festus conferred with his advisors and then replied, Very well, you have appealed to Caesar, and to Caesar you will go. A few days later, King Agrippa arrived with his sister Bernice to pay their respects to Festus. During their stay of several days, Festus discussed Paul's case with the king. There is a prisoner here, he told him, whose case was left for me by Felix. When I was in Jerusalem, the leading priests and Jewish elders pressed charges against him and asked me to condemn him. I pointed out to them that Roman law does not convict people without a trial. They must be given an opportunity to confront their accusers and defend themselves. When his accusers came here for the trial, I didn't delay. I called the case the very next day and ordered Paul brought in. But the accusations made against him weren't any of the crimes I expected. Instead, it was something about their religion and a dead man named Jesus who Paul insists is alive. I was at a loss to know how to investigate these things, so I asked him whether he would be willing to stand trial on these charges in Jerusalem. But Paul appealed to have his case decided by the emperor, so I ordered that he be held in custody until I could arrange to send him to Caesar. I'd like to hear the man myself, Agrippa said, and Festus replied, you will tomorrow. Paul speaks to Agrippa. So the next day, Agrippa and Bernice arrived at the auditorium with great pomp, accompanied by military officers and prominent men of the city. Festus ordered that Paul be brought in. Then Festus said, King Agrippa and all who are here, 
This is the man whose death is demanded by all the Jews, both here and in Jerusalem. But in my opinion, he has done nothing deserving death. However, since he appealed his case to the emperor, I have decided to send him to Rome. But what shall I write the emperor? For there is no clear charge against him. So I have brought him before all of you, and especially you, King Agrippa, so that after we examine him, I might have something to write. For it makes no sense to send a prisoner to the emperor without specifying the charges against him. Psalm 5, for the choir director, a psalm of David, to be accompanied by the flute. O Lord, hear me as I pray. Pay attention to my groaning. Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God. For I pray to no one but you. Listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. Each morning I bring my request to you and wait expectantly. O God, you take no pleasure in wickedness. You cannot tolerate the sins of the wicked. Therefore, the proud may not stand in your presence, for you hate all who do evil. You will destroy those who tell lies. The Lord detests murderers and deceivers. Because of your unfailing love, I can enter your house. I will worship at your temple with deepest awe. Lead me in the right path, O Lord, or my enemies will conquer me. Make your way plain for me to follow. My enemies cannot speak a truthful word. Their deepest desire is to destroy others. Their talk is foul like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with flattery. O God, declare them guilty. Let them be caught in their own traps. Drive them away because of their many sins, for they have rebelled against you. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them sing joyful praises forever. Spread your protection over them that all who love your name may be filled with joy. For you bless the godly, O Lord. You surround them with your shield of love. Proverbs eighteen nineteen. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you today grateful for the story of Jabez and the lessons it teaches us about the power of prayer and living a life of purpose and meaning. Lord, as we reflect on Jabez's example, we are inspired to seek you with sincerity and faith and boldness, knowing that you hear our prayers. Lord, we just ask for your guidance and your wisdom as we navigate life. Help us to live with honor, integrity, and a deep reverence for you. Lord, empower us to make the choices that align with your will and help us to have no shame about standing out from the crowd in a world that often pushes us to conform. Lord, grant us the strength to face challenges with courage and tenacity and help us to trust in your unfailing protection and preservation. Lord, we lift up our prayers to you, knowing that you are a loving and gracious God who cares about our every need. Lord, we pray not only for our own well-being, but for the well-being of others. Lord, expand our territory, not only in terms of material possession, but in terms of our influence and impact for your kingdom. Lord, if it be your will, bless us with more income and influence so that we can make a greater impact for you and your glory. Lord, help us to use all of our blessings to spread your love, to share your truth, and to uplift those in need. Lord, protect us from evil and lead us on the path of righteousness. 
darkness. Shield us from the snares and temptations that seek to derail us from our purpose. Grant us relief from pain and sorrow and replace them with your joy and your peace that surpasses all understanding. And Lord, when we are in pain, when we are experiencing sorrow, Lord, help us to remember that you are with us in it. Lord, we acknowledge that all blessings come from you. We surrender our lives and our desires to your perfect will. Lord, we trust that you know what is best for us and that you will guide us accordingly. And as we seek your blessings and as we seek your face, may our hearts remain aligned with your purpose and may we always seek to glorify you thank you lord for the privilege of prayer and for communion with you thank you for the promise that you hear us and that you will answer us lord may our lives be a testament to your love grace and your transforming power in Jesus' name we pray amen and our affirmation I am living my life with awareness and appreciation for the abundance of blessing that God lavishes on me each day. I am living my life with awareness and appreciation for the abundance of blessings that God lavishes on me each day. And our aphorism, a man with ambition and love for his blessings here on earth is ever so alive. Having been alive, it won't be so hard in the end to lie down and rest. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for being on this amazing adventure with me. You belong here and we belong together on this journey. I love you. And if God says the same, I'll be right here tomorrow waiting for you.